of all times to learn how to identify your inner choice. Now is that time because no one can take that from you. No one can strip that from you. If you learn your inner yes, your inner no, if you learn your inner signals when it comes to making choices and decisions, it doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter. You will always be able to identify your inner choices and no one can take that from you. And that is real sovereignty. Welcome to Openly Spoken, the podcast to help you show up, speak out, and be seen. I'm your host, Celia Antonio, women's empowerment mentor, mindfulness expert, and quantum self-love coach. Every week, you'll hear real and unfiltered stories from me and my guests covering topics around spirituality, self-expression, womanhood, healing, love, relationships, and more. My intention with this podcast is to help sensitive, spiritual, ambitious women fully step into their potential so that you can live a life you love with every cell and every fiber of your being. And I get that it's not easy to fit into a box. So I bring in a variety of topics to feed your multifaceted self. You can find me over on Instagram at selfexpressbabe and info on where to find my guests are always going to be in the show notes below. I am so grateful that you're here and I invite you to now set an intention, sit back, relax, and receive what is coming through to you on your headphones right now. Take what resonates, leave out what doesn't, and give yourself time to reflect. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome to Openly Spoken. I am so humbled and grateful and excited to share this episode with you. This was one of those conversations that I honestly didn't want to end. It was like talking to a soul sister, and I really am excited to share this with you. My guest today, her name is Haley Winter, and Haley is an evidence-based tarot coach, educator, and the creator of the Tarot Coaching Method. She's a fellow proud nerd, (laughs) and she's passionate about intuitive development and bridging the worlds of science and spirituality. She's currently getting her PhD in consciousness and contemplative neuroscience. And in this episode, we talked about escaping the matrix and status quo, going through an awakening, going through this void phase where you don't know who you are or what you're doing or what's next, being brave enough to be there. We talked about intuition, how to cultivate intuition. We talked about the power of choice and how to really strengthen and develop your muscles of choice. There's lots of juicy nuggets here, and it really was such a such a conversation that almost made me forget I was recording a podcast, honestly. So strap right in. This conversation's about an hour and a half, so get cozy, get yourself something warm to drink, and just sit back and soak this in. I would also love to hear if there were any ahas or takeaways from this episode. Feel free to message me over on Instagram at selfexpressbabe. Thank you so much for being here and let's dive into the episode. (laughs) 
amazing. We're recording. We're trusting the moment. We're trusting the moment. <laughs> Welcome, Haley, to Openly Spoken. I'm so happy to have you here. Finally, this day is upon us. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here finally. Yeah. You're so welcome. Let's start out by giving an intro about who you are and what is true for you right now in this present moment. (laughs) Love it. Well, I am Haley Winter. I am an evidence-based tarot coach and I teach and certify other tarot coaches in my methodology and I teach people how to use my methodology to coach themselves and I coach clients too. So that's really who I am. That's what I do. I'm big on intuitive development. That's really the cornerstone of everything that I do, all of the science and the psychology behind everything that I teach and everything that I share with my clients is based on building and cultivating intuition, which I believe is one of our biggest superpowers Mm. as conscious beings. And as far as what's coming up for me right now, I think with so much chaos, I, I guess a little bit of a preface to this is I am closing out my Saturn return right now. So Ooh. for anyone who's into astrology, you know, it's, you know what the Saturn return is. If you're not into astrology, just think about it as a quarter life crisis <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's coming to a close for me at this point, And it's really kind of reached a peak in recent times. And I think the biggest thing for me is learning to be with it all Mm. and learning to kind of like we were talking about before we hit record, learning to be able to contribute still and create still and show up still for others. Even when I feel like I don't have everything together and really kind of shedding these conditioned layers of perfectionism and feeling like, you know, I need to be a certain way or look a certain way, or my life needs to be a certain way in order for my contribution and presence to be valuable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a really huge lesson for me in recent days, weeks, Mm -hmm. months. And it's, it's definitely a process. I wouldn't say that I'm in a place where I'm, you know, super comfortable with it and I've mastered the lesson it's kind of like every day, you know, there's a little test that's like, are you still willing to show up in a way that is a little messy? Yeah. 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 So that's the the medicine of the moment for me. I love that. That's very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. There's, there's what, what's that line from like high school? I'm thinking of like a particular emo song there. It's like, there's beauty <laughs> in the breakdown. You know what I mean? Like any early to mid 2000s fellow emos out uh-huh. there you're you're gonna know what I'm talking about but that's that's what it feels like who's the band oh my gosh I don't remember I think the song I'm thinking of is by my head is just like breakdown it's, <laughs> it's I can't remember the name of the band oh my gosh um of course I'm gonna remember it as soon as we stop recording but it's <laughs> Honestly, if you Google the lyric, something will come up. Something's got to come up. But it's, yeah. it was definitely like 2007 emo era music. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The yeah. good times. Mm-hmm. That is um, 
beautiful though and like you said we were talking about it before we hit record that like there are all these different facets of life and there's so many like pieces where it's like we have to get messy in order to get the medicine to get the lesson to step into our power to grow Mm -hmm. as people because there's lessons there yeah yeah and it's huge for intuitive development as well Mm. which of course is my bread and butter and at this point for me, it's just a lifestyle practice to look at everything I can as intuitive development practice. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really finding through all of this Saturn return chaos and, and the tower moments is intuition really gets built the strongest in the messy moments, like Mm -hmm. the moments where you have no choice but to surrender and trust because you can't see two feet in front of you. That's when your intuition really starts to bulk. And so it's, it's been a relief, I have to say. And I I remember in past times in my life where intuition was not a skill that I had cultivated and I didn't even know what it was. I was very conditioned to trust everyone, but me, I really Mm. suffered a lot in the messy moments and in the breakdowns because I didn't have that trust and I was desperate to find some, you know, relief or reassurance from anyone outside of me. But of course that can only do so much. And I'm finding that even though now in a lot of ways, what I've been going through is, well, I hate to compare, but it's, I don't want to say more challenging, but it's challenging on a new level Mm -hmm. compared to what I've gone through in the past and in certain cases it's less tormenting now I suffer less Mm -hmm. in the hard moments because I have learned to develop my intuition and because I've learned to have that trust in myself and in life even when things get messy and that makes a huge difference like suffering is optional hardship is not Curveballs are not, mm. you know, we, we all have to learn lessons in this life and some of them are, are rough, but the suffering through it doesn't have to be a part of the experience. And that's been so healing for me to learn. And I, I really don't think without the skill of intuition and this self-trust that I've developed, I'd be able to navigate through the things that I've been going through, mm-hmm. especially not without just suffering immensely. Yeah. I love that you separate the hardship and the suffering because mm-hmm. I think it's really important to, to look at how like external, yes, things might be like this, like one mm-hmm. way, but how you react is essentially always going to be your choice. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is something that comes up a lot for me in the world of tarot, because the way that I practice and the way that I teach my clients and my students to work with tarot is very different than mainstream tarot practice. And I always say, you know, with tarot coaching, we don't look to the cards for answers. Mm -hmm. We look to the cards, A, for more questions, the right questions specifically, and B, as mirrors to reflect the answers that we already have. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of people, when they first come to me and before they know really what tarot coaching is, 
a lot of times they're looking for that reassurance that I used to look for Mm. when I was younger, before I had that intuition, you know, they want to know that everything is going to be okay. Or they're looking for some semblance of control or they they're really looking for like an end point to the hard times. And they're looking for tarot to kind of be their ticket to tell them how to do that. And one of the biggest transformations that I know I've seen working with the tool and that I've, you know, taught and facilitated for so many people and and helped them find for themselves is that when you know how to trust your intuition and when you have like a practice that keeps you in touch with it, you no longer feel that need to control the external mm. and you no longer fear, you know, the other shoe dropping. You're not just sitting there waiting for the next crisis and like waiting for the end point to the hard times because it's like you know, I understand that in life, there are all shades of experience and I know that I can get through it. I trust myself to get through it. And that's the biggest difference. Like when you get to the point where you no longer need the external to look a certain way Mm -hmm. in order to feel safe and alive, that is, in my opinion, so much more powerful of a transformation than just everything in the external looking and seeming perfectly in flow, (laughs) which is it ever like, this is life, you know? No. (laughs) Right. Everyone thinks everyone else has it like perfect Mm -hmm. and in flow, but really none of us know what we're doing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And we can thank social media for that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, social media has, has done some good things, but that highlight reel syndrome is a very real thing. And it can really, it can take away the little bit of self-trust that I feel like we have too. Yeah. Because when we're looking at someone else's highlight reel and we think that like, that's what their life is and that's all their life is. We're like, wow, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. And we make ourselves wrong. And then we feel like we can only show up in certain parts of ourself. Only certain shades of ourself are acceptable and valuable. And that can Mm -hmm. be so damaging to your relationship with yourself, your relationship with other people. Like no one actually benefits from that. It's great to have aspirations and, you know, inspo, Mm -hmm. but that's not all life is. Exactly. That's why I think it's so important for self-worth to Mm -hmm. realize that all of us are here holding all the things, you know, we have highlight moments. Yes. But Mm -hmm. we also have moments where we're ugly crying Mm -hmm. moments where we're in pain moments where uh just now I opened my door and I got a notice from my landlord that my rent is increasing and I'm like fuck oh boy (laughs) but at the same time like because I've also been kind of playing into the surrender and trust I was kind of just like all right I'm open for a miracle Mm -hmm. I'm open for a miracle I'm open for a miracle I'm I something is going to happen I'm Mm -hmm. open to the miracle and I like forgive this And whatever I'm making it mean, like you said, the separation between like, oh, this is a hard thing Mm -hmm. and suffering. Like, I don't have to suffer. I don't have to be like, this number is my enemy now, you know? (laughs) Yes. I love what you just said about what you're making it mean Mm. because that is everything. And I don't feel like it gets talked about enough. And in the world of tarot and tarot coaching, this is this has so much to do with it. And one of it's one of the best things about working with tarot, in my opinion, is because when we work with the cards, which reflect to us the different shades of the human experience, mm-hmm. we really start to understand that there are 
infinite perspectives that we could take about any given situation, any given context. And one of the things that causes us to suffer is clinging to a particular perspective and really narrowing ourselves down to think that something is only one way or it means only one thing. And this is something I work on a lot with clients. And it's it's really, you know, coaching based too, coaching psychology. Like what else could this mean? Mm-hmm. And really allowing yourself to expand and look at things from different ways. It's so liberating to yeah. understand that like it doesn't just mean this one catastrophic thing that maybe our lizard brain brought up at first glance. You know, there are other opportunities. And when we can ground into an alternative perspective or an expanded perspective, we open up new possibilities for Mm -hmm. what can be created out of that situation. Possibilities that wouldn't have been there had we remained with just one limiting perspective. Mm -hmm. And that is true inner power, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. How did you come up with this new method of tarot coaching? Entirely by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I I always say that I'm the last person in the world that should have created this methodology <laughs> or landed here because I was so not in the realm of anything spiritual okay. in any capacity. And I mean, it wasn't until I had my first kind of life collapse tower moment, like, and I'm talking major tower moment. I've had many, many tower moments in my life, but there was, you know, one phase of life where it was like everything mm. fell apart. And that I consider to be my awakening experience because that's kind of when my perspective started to broaden, but it wasn't until then. And by this point I was already, you know, all the way through my undergraduate degree, all the way through my first, uh, master's degree and in a career that I didn't love as a therapist. And I was very, very staunchly rooted in the science camp. Mm-hmm. And I, I specialized in cognitive neuroscience. I was very, you know, 3D reality oriented. Mm-hmm. And the institutions that I went to were very much the same way. You know, my, my schools, it was all very not inclusive of the spiritual realm in any capacity. I didn't understand it. I didn't have any interest in it. I didn't have any personal experience with it. I just, it was not in my world. Mm-hmm. And when my life fell apart, it just so happened that at that exact time, the tarot literally just fell into my life. It was, it was such a weird series of events. It was actually my bridal shower and we were doing like a boho theme. We had like crystals and stuff really just for the aesthetic. And, (laughs) um, my best friend planned it all. She's like very vibey and she makes beautiful setups. And so she had planned this whole thing and kind of on a whim, I was like, Hmm, you know, what would be fun as just an activity? Let's hire a tarot reader. I knew nothing about it aside from what I had seen on TV. And of course that portrayal is very, very different than the reality. But I was like, that sounds like fun. So I hired a girl I went to high school with who, you know, just had a tarot deck and she read out of the book and you know (laughs) 
that was my first experience with tarot. And I remember when she laid the cards out, I, I don't remember anything that she said to me, zero. But I remember all of a sudden I started, I say hearing, but it's not like hearing with my ears, internally hearing mm-hmm. like an inner soul. voice. Yes. And I just, okay. I, I knew things and mm-hmm. it, I call it getting downloads, which I know is a phrase that's really common in the spiritual community. And at the time I did not know this, but that's mm-hmm. what I, I said, because that's what it felt like. I looked mm-hmm. at these images and all of a sudden I was knowing things and hearing things in my mind and I was getting clarity on things. And again, it had nothing to do with what, you know, the girl I had hired to read tarot for me was saying, I didn't, yeah. I don't even think I listened to her because <laughs> it, there was so much going on in my inner space. And I was like, what is happening here? And that unlocked an insatiable curiosity in mm-hmm. me. And, you know, as an academic, as someone with a very strong research background, I just did what I knew how to do. And I went back to school and I got mm-hmm. a second master's degree and I brought the tarot to class. Literally every single paper I wrote in that second master's degree program was about the tarot. And I studied it from all different lenses and it's in the field of psychology because that's my field. And I just, I went deep. I went wide. I mean, I I took it like eco psychology, you know, the, the psychology of our connection with the earth and, mm. you know, transpersonal level, but I also went like very minute and into the mind. I took it, you know, somatic in my somatic psychology classes, every mm. lens that I could. And I, I basically got three degrees in one because I specialized in three separate things because I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. And I just <laughs> really love reading that much apparently and writing. And so it, it's uh, at this point, I've written thousands of pages And at this time, also, I was leaving my career as a therapist, which my body was no longer supporting. Mm -hmm. I was kind of in and out of the hospital at this time with my genetic condition, and I couldn't go to the office anymore, but I still really wanted to work with people. Mm -hmm. So I got my coaching certification at the same time through my university. And so this was another lens that I brought the tarot to. And because I was really new to tarot myself, I didn't have a lot of, you know, conditioning or education on the traditional way of working with tarot. Mm. So I really, you know, started from the ground up with basically no exposure. And I just started exploring what had happened to me when I looked at these cards and I started, you know, learning how asking questions just like we do in coaching and working with the tarot as a tool to access different layers of consciousness could really create incredible insights, but also tangible transformation in life. Mm -hmm. And it was really just, you know, over time, over that two, three years of getting my second master's degree, the methodology was just, it it was born. (laughs) It was a slow process and uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of exploration, a lot of personal trial and error. I remember when I got my first tarot deck, I was like shaking because <laughs> I was so scared because I, I had such little exposure. I was like, what if I pull a bad card? You know, is it a bad yeah. omen? I was so, mm. I had so much fear. But by the time I was on the other side of that program, I was like, where was this all my life? Like, I, <laughs> I wish I had had this like teen me 
would have benefited so much from this early 20s me like yeah and and so now I'm just it's it's everything it became my whole life back then and it's my whole life now I'm taking it back to school and I'm I'm in my PhD program and I'm specializing in consciousness and contemplative neuroscience and I'm gonna you know be exploring like the the brain aspects of this and you know which areas of our brain light up when we work with this the the neuroscience of intuition all of it so I you know Mm -hmm. the the nerdiness just has no end with me (laughs) and I'm taking it even deeper I love it (laughs) yeah that's that's the the short story long of how tarot coaching was born (laughs) wow I, I love that I love your like courage to kind of just like try things out and like stick with it and research it and see how it unflowed, like how everything came together. That's so awesome. And it was terrifying, I have to say, because again, I came from such a staunch scientific background. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing I had to get over was my own dissonance and my own, like, what the hell am I doing right now? Like I'm sitting with tarot cards. Who am I? Like (laughs) I am I'm an academic. I'm a researcher. Like I can't be sitting here doing this. If anyone found out, I would be completely ostracized. Don't so you also, kind of- oh, <laughs> did, didn't you also grow up somewhere where like tarot was seen as like evil and bad? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, yes and no, my own upbringing mm-hmm. wasn't super biased. I would say, I mean, I, I grew up in like a loose Christian household. Mm-hmm. Like my family went to church on Christmas and Easter kind of a thing. And we, you know, it religion was never a big part of my life. I never identified with it at all. Mm-hmm. And, but there, there wasn't too much fear mongering in my own household, but just in like my community mm. there yeah. was, mm-hmm. and just the misconceptions because of pop culture, you know, and, and like witches and what does that mean? You know, there was a lot of that coming up. And so I was really afraid of, of that coming out of people close to me learning what I was doing because, you know, what would they think? Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, I had my own inner issues with it because I I was like, what am I, what is this? Like, who am I? I don't understand. Why am I, why is this happening? What am I doing? But walking away was never a choice because I could not deny what was happening. Mm-hmm. I was experiencing it. And, yeah. you know, firsthand experience is, is up there on the hierarchy of things that lead us to believe, right? So mm-hmm. I, I couldn't deny the experience I was having in my mind. And I had to understand. And that's really been like my driving force in life is this need to understand, which is in a lot of ways antithetical to where I've ended up in that ability to just trust. Yeah. That they're like kind of on a spectrum and they work together, but they're also in opposition. It's very paradoxical. It's very, you know, duality esque. Um, but I, I had to really come to terms with my own curiosity about this tool that to me seemed like it had no place in my world and then sharing it with other people. That was a whole other ball game. I mean, it took me, I think two years before I even told my husband 
what I was doing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It, like yeah. a long time. And then, you know, slowly I started to tell my friends and yeah. then, you know, eventually I kind of understood that this methodology was born through me because it needs to be shared. Mm. And I really had to tune into that and understand like, this is bigger than me. I'm just the mm. conduit and mm. I need to not let my ego and my fears about, you know, my scientific community ostracizing me and whatever get in the way of me sharing this tool and this process that can literally change lives. And I knew that because it changed mine mm-hmm. and it, it helped me heal in ways that I at first didn't even know I was wounded. Yeah. And so I had to make that more powerful than all of the doubt, but that was not a linear process. It was not easy. When I first started my Instagram account and started posting, I would like post and then like sit there and tremble in terror for like, you know, an hour. But of course, like barely anyone seeing it, you know, it was just one of those things. And and over time it got easier. And now it's like, I'll pretty much tell anyone mm-hmm. what I do. I don't try to hide it anymore. I, and I've gotten comfortable with the discomfort. Mm-hmm. The discomfort hasn't gone away. I'm just, I'm okay with it now, but it was, it was an interesting process of, um, wanting to listen to my ego and be like, all right, I hear you. I understand your fears. Uh, I get Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're, you're worried about being ostracized from the group that you've been in for so long, but, uh, you know, there's a higher self component here that needs to be driving the bus right now. So, yeah your, your fears are valid. I'll take care of you, but we're going to do it this way instead. Yeah. And that takes a lot of patience. It does. It takes a lot of trust too, to like shed what is old and things that you might even be good at mm-hmm. right now to shed yeah. it, to like make space for your expansion. Cause you need, you need that space to grow. It's like when a plant is in a pot, that's too small for it. It's not mm-hmm. going to get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And without that intuition and self-trust, I would, I wouldn't have made it that far. Mm-hmm. It was because I was able to build my intuition by using that tool that I was even able to discern that, okay, you know, sharing this is, is a step I have to take. And yeah. that I was even able to kind of relax the ego enough to take that step. It's, it, it was all mm-hmm. very meta yeah. and, and all very connected. Do you think intuition is something that we've lost touch with because we're living inside of homes away from nature and like kind of like lost this touch with like the natural world, like how we are supposed to be living? <laughs> I think that definitely plays a part in it. I mean, it, short answer is yes. I think that by and large, our society is more disconnected from intuition. <laughs> more disconnected from intuition. <laughs> I combine those words uh, <laughs> now than ever before. And I think that mm. is a huge part of it. You know, the, the increase in industry and technology, but yeah. in addition to that, I think one of the biggest contributing factors to this disconnection is this, we're literally born and bred to place our trust elsewhere we're taught to trust our parents. We're taught to trust our teachers. We're taught to trust our doctors and our government. 
and, you know, experts and Google, like at this point, Google, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, like we're taught to go outside of us for answers. Mm. We're taught to open up an app on our phone and, you know, look to someone else to tell us what to do, what's right, what's wrong, what's best Mm -hmm. for us. We're never taught how to look within. I mean, I sure as hell wasn't. That was never a part of my upbringing personally, academically, professionally. Mm-hmm. That had nothing to do with it. It was, you know, oh, well, you know, trust me, I want what's best for you. You know, that's something that yeah. family members love to say or friends' opinions, doctors' opinions. I know doctors, that was a huge thing for me as someone with a medical condition that's, you know, genetic. I've dealt with it all my life. I placed so much stock in doctors mm. and, you know, I, I was taught to see them as like the all knowing, but they're not. And there were so many yeah. times in my life that, you know, a doctor would tell me something or make a decision on my behalf that didn't sit right with me, but I didn't know what to do about that because I didn't have self-trust. And I was like, who am I to argue with this person. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't trust doctors. That is not my point. My point is expert advice and other people's opinions are only as helpful as our ability to discern their value to us. Yeah. And sometimes we can be given excellent advice, but we have to know if it truly is right for us. And that, that knowing that's the intuition and Mm -hmm. that's what we were never taught. That's the skill we were, we never learned. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, at least that was the biggest part of it was just being taught to trust literally anyone but me. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me so desperate when I was younger, when times were hard to like seek relief Anywhere Mm. I could like someone reassure me, someone tell me that this is going to be okay because I didn't have any inner musculature energetically Mm. or in my mind to support me Yeah, because I had placed all of my stock, all of my trust in others' hands Mm. and it was it was massively to my detriment. And that's why when my big life collapse happened, that's why every single part of my life fell away. Yeah. It all had to die. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Because it wasn't me. It had nothing to do with me. Everything that fell away from me, which was pretty much everything that I had was something that was in my life as a result of decisions made by other people Mm. for me. Or, you know, by me, but based on what I thought I should do based on things other people had said to me or who I thought I was based on what other people had said to me. Mm -hmm. And when I was left with nothing, I, that was the first time that it was kind of like, I, I was in that void. It was quiet enough for me to start to discern that inner voice and get those downloads and I really met myself for the first time Mm. in the smoke and rubble of my old life. And I I really, it was profound when I realized like, I, I don't know who I am. Mm. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I love. I don't know what I care about. I don't know what I believe. 
I don't know anything anymore. And it, it, it feels like literally being reborn and you have to just start over and, and learn from nothing. It's like, it's like learning how to walk again and learning how to crawl. And I mean, seriously, like it's, it, it, I can't explain how much it felt like I had just stepped out of some kind of womb. Mm, Yeah. And just like stumbling through like a baby deer who, you know, isn't stable on their legs yet. Like that's exactly what it felt like, but it was, it it was so hard in so many ways, but I'm so grateful that it happened Mm -hmm. and I had to make a lot of tough decisions. And that's, you know, that's kind of a disclaimer I like to give people when they want to come and work with tarot coaching is like, you know, you've got to be ready to learn some truths Mm. when you discern your intuition and you discern your inner voice. Yeah. You've got to be ready and willing to listen and take action. And you can be gentle with yourself, but it's the kind of thing when you, when you build that skill of intuition, when you unlock that voice and you strengthen it, you can't ignore it. And if you do shit happens, like, (laughs) you know, the universe has its ways and that's when the tower moments happen. It's like when you, when Mm -hmm. you maybe not listening for, for long enough, you know, life will throw a, a feather than a brick than a truck at you until you listen. You can get That's hit so by true. as many trucks as you want, <laughs> but it, it's going to, you know, it'll keep coming up. But like, I had to leave a career. That was one of the first things I learned. And that was one of the first things to go was my career. And it was like, people were like, are you insane? Like you just spent how much money getting this degree? How many years? Like I, I lived for half of my degree in another country and I woke up multiple times a week at like two, three, 4 a.m. for class. And it was, it was on zoom, but we met live. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I put in all this effort. I did, uh, an internship, you know, all of that for this career. And then I walked away like, really, really <laughs> that, that was a, a hard pill to swallow. Um, you know, and one of those things like looking at the, the student debt that I accrued Oof. for that career. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to walk away from this right now. Okay, cool. Sounds good. I mean, now that I know that this isn't for me, I can't ignore it. Yeah. And, and my body made sure of that my body laid me out and, and was like, if you're going to keep pushing it, guess what? I'm going to force you to stop. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, through that process, I also learned it doesn't have to be that dramatic. Like you don't have to get laid out by the universe to make the tough decisions. But that's again, going back to, you know, the disclaimer that I give people, like you got to be willing once you hear your inner Mm -hmm. truth, you've got to be willing to listen and do something about it, you know, or the message is just going to keep coming through louder and louder and louder and louder. Yeah. And it's, it's all in your power, but you have to make hard choices. Mm -hmm. I totally resonate with everything (laughs) that you've said. And I just, I want to first acknowledge your courage to be able to be first of all in the void and also to like know what choice you want and to make that choice, even though it goes against all of society's expectations. Like I went through the same thing, like what I studied now, I'm not doing it right Right. now. And, And it's very hard to be like, 
I worked so hard for this and now I'm just going to walk away from it. But you can't ignore that you're unhappy. And when you can be comfortable with making the choices that you know are right for you, and then also be comfortable with like those choices leading you to being in a space where you're just like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what steps to take, but it's not what I did before. That space is so scary. And yeah, so many people avoid that space their whole life. And I think that's really like a huge part about why there's so much suffering on this planet. Totally. And, but it's, it's endorsed by yeah, it is endorsed. every system mm-hmm. that's in place. Of like, course. you know, numb out with alcohol, watch yeah. TV, you know, like food, anything, like just look at anything about the way that our lives yeah. are set up and the systems that are in place are set up. Like they're here to keep us complacent. They're here yeah. to keep us. I, I mean, I, I say stuck because, you know, from my vantage point, that's what it feels like. But w- when you're there, you don't even know, like they're here to keep us asleep is really what it is. Yeah. It's like you're a zombie on right. autopilot. And once you have this moment of like things falling away, mm-hmm. if you're brave enough to f- like face it instead of numb out, you kind of escape the matrix a bit. Totally. Like, yeah. And it's, it's wild. I went through, I don't know if you went through something similar, but I went through like a drastic pendulum swing. When I had my awakening moment in this void space, Mm -hmm. I like, I could not watch TV anymore. All Mm -hmm. of the sudden I could not tolerate like most foods that Mm -hmm. I had been eating. Mm -hmm. I would get physically sick and I literally kind of TMI, but you know, I, this was, diagnosed as part of my genetic condition, but then it, it went away about a year and a half later, but every year for a year and a half, I woke up in the morning vomiting (gasps) and doctors were like scratching their heads. Like, well, you know, it's, we can't identify a food that's causing it. Your blood work is all fine. This must just be, you know, a part of your condition, which they know very little about. And, Uh you know, they were like, not sure what to do for you. Mm -hmm. And throughout that entire void space, this was happening. And then when I started to move out of it, it stopped. Mm. And, but it was, it was just so Mm. wild that it was like, I I couldn't, I couldn't tolerate any media anymore. I couldn't listen to the same music I used to listen to. Like I could not do it. And I couldn't be around people who did for a long time. Like, you know, people in my life, family and friends, people that I love very dearly who, you know, live their lives in a way where they kind of go through the status quo during the day. They come home, they watch TV all night. They're drinking alcohol or, you know, whatever it is they're doing. Then they go to sleep and they do it all all again. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't even be around you right now. It was so triggering to me because I was seeing it in this new way. Yeah. And I was like, do you don't see what I see? Like you're, you're, you're blue pilling it. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're in you're in the matrix right now. And of course, because I was like the least spiritual person ever, I had no clue. Like I had no language around this. I had no idea what to make of my experience, but I was like, this is too much. And so I went through like a serious hermit phase of just Mm. like complete isolation. And of course now I've, I've balanced out and I can be around those people again. And I I can accept that, you know, people live different lives. They have different perspectives, but in that void space, it was like, it was so new and so raw. 
and so vulnerable that I was like, I literally, I have to be in a cocoon right now. Yeah. It was, it, I was a total pile of goo. Mm-hmm. I totally feel you. I've been there too. <laughs> yeah. I've been there and it, too. It's not a one and done thing. <laughs> no, like, it's not. It happened. Oh my it gosh. Just keeps happening. I, like, I feel like the first, well, at least in my experience, like the first time it was big and uncomfortable and like yeah. every, everything in my life fell away except my yoga practice, which is mm-hmm. the thing that led to my awakening, mm-hmm. but everything else shifted. Yeah. Um, the, re- the re- relationship I was in for six years, my career friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up loving horror movies and I could just not watch, watch anything that had any kind of violence or killing or anything oh, yeah. like that. I still can't still to this day cannot. Yeah. And I loved like horror movies and things I loved like that. it. It was my favorite. I yeah. used to watch Goosebumps as a kid. Do you oh remember my God. that show? Yes. Yes. That was my favorite. And I loved my favorite like, too. All, once they started coming out, like the insidious movies and things like that. I loved the horror. Can't do it mm-hmm. now. Can't Same. Do it. Can't. I couldn't even watch um, Hunger Games. I watched five minutes of it and I was like, this is too yeah. violent for me. I had to close my eyes and I told my husband, I'm like, I can't watch this. <laughs> yeah. My, my process started kind of midway through that series. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I'd read all the books, but I, I watched like the first two and then could not watch the last two <laughs> because I, I couldn't take it anymore. But even, yeah. even some of the things that I do still watch. And I, I mean, I don't know if this has to do with awakening or if it's like an anxiety thing or what it is, but I'm definitely like a person that just rewatches the same things. It takes a mm. lot for me to venture out. If I'm going to consume any media, it's usually yeah. familiar and like yeah. safe, but even the things that I, you know, grew up loving, like the Lord of the Rings, that's that's my biggest kind of nerd area. Yeah. And I love those movies, but even to this day there are parts of them I have to like shut my eyes and mm-hmm. or, you know, look away and not watch because of the violence. And they're not even you know, obscenely violent films, mm-hmm. but it was still just, it, it, it became too much and it didn't used to phase me at all. Yeah. And that's that, interesting how some of that stays. Yeah. That really but, speaks to like how you're literally like asleep before yeah. you come out of this, what we're calling a matrix. Right. Exactly. And like you were saying it, I, for me, it was like that first time was so big, so uncomfortable, everything changed but it wasn't a one and done. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of happens in a more bite-sized way. Yeah. Now. And it's, it's very cyclical. I find too, like, yeah, for sure. And I, I've learned to be okay with that. I think that's a huge part of the intuition and self-trust thing. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that like in the moments where I'm riding high, I understand that, you know, it's a wheel And I, the more you stay in tune, the less drastic the lows are going to be. And, and the shorter the goo phase will be, I found, but the goo phases still happen. Uh, And by goo phase, maybe I should give some context. Whenever a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, they like melt into a pile of goo before (laughs) becoming a butterfly and leaving the cocoon. So that's what I mean by goo phase. It's when we, you know, yeah. we cocoon and we dissolve and it still happens. Like I feel, I don't think anyone gets so awakened that they never goo mm-hmm. out anymore. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's 
my favorite part of the journey. And you can probably relate because you're studious like I am as well. Is like once you go through this awakening, there's almost an not almost there is there's an endless stream of like things you can learn and where you can expand Mm -hmm. and it like just opens up this like portal of endless knowledge where like when the pandemic happened for example and we were stuck inside and everyone was like I'm so bored I'm gonna make a TikTok I'm just like how can you be bored (laughs) okay and honestly I get a lot of like hate for this sometimes but that first little bit of lockdown I was like thank you like I now I can read this ever-growing book list (laughs) that has been sitting here on my side table for months you Mm -hmm. know like it but yeah absolutely and honestly I think this is one of the most fun ways to build your intuition is following curiosity curiosity Mm. is one of the voices of intuition and once you go through this awakening and, you know, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming that you have experienced that, um, maybe I shouldn't assume, but you know, it's, it's probably available to you if you're listening to this podcast right now. Yeah. But maybe it'll happen while they're listening to this. <laughs> maybe it will. That would be rad. Please let me know if that right. happens. Um, but you know, once that happens, like you said, there's that infinite stream of, of new things to explore and learn about mm-hmm. and following what sparks your curiosity. That's how I started building my intuition. That's, Mm. that's how I found tarot Mm -hmm. and following that as deep as it could go. And I mean, not everyone, it doesn't look the same for everyone. Like tarot became my thing. I lived it. I breathed it. I ate and slept tarot. It was everything. A lot of people don't go through things that way. You know, they toe dip Mm -hmm. into a lot of different pools which is awesome. And I still do that to an extent, but I definitely went hard with the tarot. And that is how that, that was like the first time I heard my intuition was like, Mm. huh, get a tarot reader. And then I, I look at the cards and I start hearing these downloads and I'm like, what (laughs) the fuck just happened to me? (laughs) And that curiosity, like that was like flame turned into a full bonfire. Mm-hmm. in terms of curiosity and it was following that that even you know showed me what my intuition was and then built it mm-hmm. and that's I, I it's just such a fun thing and a great antidote to boredom also yeah like what are you curious about like what are you what are you interested in and just letting yourself like follow the breadcrumbs which when you're in the void that's exactly what you do you yeah. follow breadcrumbs because that's all there is <laughs> one step at a time. You don't even see the trail. You just see the one right there yeah, like right in front of you. Wow. That's a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> it's honestly, when I think about, and I, I do think very symbolically, especially since working with the tarot, but when I remember back on that void period, I literally imagine myself like in a dark barren forest that has been burned to the ground, mm. literally picking up breadcrumbs like that's the image that I see because that's what it feels like but those breadcrumbs are intuition Mm. and curiosity is a fantastic gateway especially if you're an anxious person like me yeah (laughs) and one of the biggest things for me throughout this whole process and one of the biggest things that I teach and guide people through is discerning anxiety from intuition because a lot of times anxiety pretends it's intuition Mm -hmm. and it tells you that something is very very wrong and you just know it and 
the truth is they're very different experiences, but we're never taught that. So how do we know? But if you tend to have a proclivity towards anxiety, curiosity is a great place to start when Mm. building your intuition, because it's not threatening. Mm. It's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's expansive. And it's, it's just about interest and it's, you know, it's low risk, high reward. And it's, it is your inner voice talking to you. So I, it's, I, I just, I can't say enough about curiosity. I think, again, that's another superpower of ours. It's, it's a flavor of intuition, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's one of the most beautiful things about being alive. Mm -hmm. Do you want to speak to another flavor or voice of intuition? Cause now you have me so curious. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, let's see. Well, another one that I like to talk about a lot is choice Mm. and the power of choice. And I think choice, just like intuition is one of our top superpowers. And it's really what makes us human is our ability to choose Mm -hmm. because a lot of other living beings can't choose the way we do. And if they do choose, it's very instinctual Yeah. rather than, you know, the result of intentional thought. Mm -hmm. And so flexing our choice muscles in a way that is aligned and by aligned, I mean, it's something that feels resonant with us really presents us with another form of our intuition. And so one of the ways I like to demonstrate this is have you ever like, for me, it's always what, what to have for dinner. Like, what are we going to have for dinner? It's a conversation that goes on daily in my household. And, Same. and I'm always like, how do yeah. people adult? Cause this has to be easier. <laughs> right. But it never, it never gets easier. And so, so often we literally resort to flipping a coin. But you know how, when you flip a coin before you know what it is, you all of a sudden know what you want it to be. Or like when, when you get the answer of the coin flip and like, you're either, you know, kind of stoked or bummed, Mm, like, yeah, very rarely does it happen in my experience where I'm truly indifferent. Yeah. And it has happened, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Like, that's also good information to know, like, truly either of these choices is good for me. Like, that's also good information. But when you, when you flip a coin, most of the time, what happens to us is we start to understand what we do want. And it's only when we kind of like let go that we, and we kind of, you know, leave it to fate, so to speak, <laughs> that we have access to that truth of ours. And that is another flavor of intuition. Like that, that voice that knows what we want, but we can't always access it because we have so much conscious mind clutter going on. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I guess some important context here is to maybe identify where the intuition comes from. And it, it comes from a lot of places, but it's the voice of our expanded consciousness. So it's not the same as like our, our active mental chatter. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same as instinct either. It's not lizard brain. Mm. it's subtler consciousness, but it's expanded consciousness. I mean, if we think about instinct, that really comes from like the cerebellum, like our brain stem, the first evolution of our brains as humans that, you know, gets us through survival, fight or flight kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. 
that's not the same as intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, you know, prefrontal cortex, decision-making, cognitive thought. That's not it either. It encompasses those things and it includes those things, but it transcends those things. And it includes all of the different layers of our consciousness, the, you know, our, our unconscious mind, the thoughts that we don't have access to and the, the content of the mind that we don't have access to as well as our conscious mind. But the intuition doesn't speak in the way that, you know, our monkey mind might speak, our conscious mind might speak. It tends to speak through symbol and imagery, which is why tarot is such a powerful tool. And if you think about it, you know, we as humans, before we evolved verbal language, we had pictorial Mm. language. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how the deeper, more expanded consciousness speaks. Where was I going with this? <laughs> I, I went on a tangent, but that's, that's what I mean when I talk about, you know, hearing your intuition is that inner voice that at this point, because it's, it's a muscle that isn't really strong for a lot of us. It's a lot of times so quiet mm-hmm. that we can't discern it, especially when we're making decisions. And that's one of the big things that people come to me for is like, I can't make a decision to save my life. I'm like, Oh, I feel you because that was me. Uh, and still is me when it comes to choosing what's for dinner. Um, (laughs) but it's, it's once you learn to identify that, you know, that part of you that once you flip a coin, you start to, you start to know what you wanted. You start to know what you hope that coin is going to land on. Like that's Mm -hmm. another flavor of intuition that is really fun to, zoom in on and, and strengthen Mm -hmm. and follow because I mean, we're, our lives are really made by decisions, big ones, small ones, every single day. Mm -hmm. We don't get through a single day without making a choice. And even the tiniest decisions can have massive impacts, you know, butterfly effect. Like it's, we underestimate the power that our choices have on a day-to-day basis. And you end up with a very different life when you're making decisions from a place of intuition, as opposed to Mm. making decisions from a place of instinct, anxiety, or conscious clutter. Yeah. And so learning to discern that voice and that flavor of intuition is another way of really liberating yourself. And it can be really hard if you are an anxious person, because then you overthink and you're like, well, what if I made the wrong choice? And like, Mm -hmm. what if I don't even know all the choices that are available? And if you're like me, you sit there and you what if yourself into a spiral and then you don't make a decision and then a decision yeah. is made for you and, you know, then shit happens. Yeah. And it's it's not pretty, but you can strengthen it. Intuition is a skill. It's it's a it's an energetic muscle mm-hmm. that you can build. And I recommend the coin flip as an exercise to a lot of my clients who struggle with decision making as an exercise in learning to even hear that Mm. choice centered flavor of intuition. And I always recommend doing this with small things like what to have for dinner or like, do I want to go to the 2 PM yoga class or the 4 PM yoga class? You know, like let's start small. Let's not start with like, should I leave my career? (laughs) Should I I marry my boyfriend? You know, like let's, (laughs) let's not start there. Start small and start to notice, pay attention, not to the answer of the coin flip. I mean, you know, make whatever choice you want. That's part of the exercise, but pay attention to what you notice internally and Mm. where you notice it when you flip that coin and either, you know, before, you know, 
the result of the coin flip or when you know, actually I should say, and, and when you know the answer, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel when that coin's in the air? How do you feel? Or if you're like me and you're lazy and you don't have coins on you and you have, you know, an, an Alexa or a, a Google friend sitting in your house, listening to you all the time, you can tell them to flip a coin. And when I you're waiting, you could do that. <laughs> man, I literally do this all the time. And when you're waiting for that answer, how do you feel? Like, what do you notice that you're slightly subtly hoping for? And, you know, when you get the result, do you feel disappointment? Do you feel relief? Like tune in, start to notice what that's like. And the more you practice that and can identify what that feels like, the less you're going to need the coin flip. And the more you'll just be able to kind of like mentally, you can almost like mentally flip a coin at that point. Mm-hmm. And your body will tell you, or your mind will tell you, and intuition comes through differently for everyone. And really we have access to a lot of different mechanisms of intuition. For me, it's often very mind-based, but as I've leaned more into grounding into my body, I've, I've developed some more somatic intuition and felt intuition, which is mm. awesome. Um, but pay attention to how it comes through for you and just notice, you know, what, what are your responses and that's how you strengthen it first by noticing, then by practicing, and then by slowly leaning on those responses without the use of the tool. A pendulum is another great practice mode for this because pendulums kind of give you yes or no responses based on your body's electrophysiology. And you can start to notice inner sensations that correlate with the pendulum's yes or no. And after some practice, you don't need the pendulum anymore because you can discern what your yes and your no is just by asking yourself for that inner experience. Mm-hmm. And that that is the choice flavor of mm-hmm. intuition. And again, one of our most powerful aspects of intuition as as humans. And the life that's available to you when you make choices from that place is just so so much more empowered, so much more liberated, so much more sovereign, which is more important now than ever. Yes. In our society. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a whole that's I know this is a it's whole, whole other other topic. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's seriously of all times to develop this skill, like yeah. Of all times to learn how to identify your inner choice now is that time because no one can take that from you. Yeah. No one can strip that from you. Mm-hmm. If you learn your inner yes, your inner no, if you learn your inner signals when it comes to making choices and decisions, yeah. it doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter. You will always be able to identify your inner choices Mm-hmm. And no one can take that from you. And that is real sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I feel like I just got like uber serious, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I am so passionate. Isn't even the right word. I'm like, I have so much conviction about this, especially now yeah. with everything going on in the world that like we, and especially, you know, uh, as as women, as beings with feminine energy and, and, or, you know, even just beings that are deviant from the norm or deviant from the majority, whatever it might be, we need these skills now. Yeah. We need something that can't be taken. Mm -hmm. And from that foundation, you know, 
once we have that inner power, it can radiate outwards and things can change. And I really, truly believe that. Yeah. And the more people we have in this world who get back in touch with their intuition, the better off everyone is going to freaking be like so many of the decisions that are made in this world by you know, the powers that be <laughs> would not be made if these people were conscious. Right. And I always, yeah, I always talk with my husband about like how magical it would be if government was like. I don't know, required to have mindfulness classes or like required to take an empathy aptitude test and like so many things or like take like, mushrooms. Yes. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. I've never done that. I shouldn't say that. I've never, I've never had a hallucinogenic experience one day I would mm-hmm. like to, but, um, so mushrooms kind of is very, cheek, um, but <laughs> it's very emotional for me, at least like you will have no problem because like this, this piece we're talking about of like being brave enough to be in the void and, and like face your own messiness and your own, like how you said your little, your little disclaimer that you like to give to clients. Like you have to be willing to find out some ugly truths. Mm -hmm. If, if you're willing to do that, like that is at least my experience with mushrooms. Like the first time I ever did it was last year. And what came up was like, oh my gosh, I'm carrying around my childhood trauma into every experience I have. And Mm -hmm. like, I just like ugly cried about it. And like, just remembered how scared I was of a certain caretaker when I was a child and just like realizing like, wow, this fear never had the space to release. So now here I am able to release it. And I love, I love everything that you've been saying and here. And I think the same thing can go with, with mushrooms or with any kind of outside tool Mm -hmm. is that yes, you're using an outside tool, but not to like rely on it. And to like everything that you said about the coin flip, like you were saying, flip the coin, but also notice like, how do you feel when it's flipped? And how do you feel when it, when it gives you the choice for you? Right. And I love that. I love that invitation to really just like tune into yourself. Yeah, exactly. And tarot is the exact same way. And that's why one of the biggest distinctions I always make when people who are new to me come into my realm is, you know, don't come to me if you're looking to the cards for answers, Mm. because that's not what we're doing here. Yeah. We, we look to ourselves for answers and the cards are a mechanism that helps us access that by speaking the same language AKA Mm -hmm. symbols and archetypes Mm -hmm. of our deeper conscious mind of our intuition. But I think one of the most exciting parts about tarot as a tool is you can use it as much as you want, but the more proficient you get with it and the stronger your intuition gets, the less you feel like you need it. Mm, And it's always there for you in like a time of crisis. And we all have these moments. We, we all have moments where we're in crisis mode and our intuition is not, you know, like on the spot available and we need a tool to kind of tune back in with that. But just like anything, you know, the point of working with the tarot is to be able to discern that inner voice to begin with Mm -hmm. and strengthen it and, and access it. And then from there, you generalize away from the deck. And you can access that inner voice in other places. It's it's a tool. But seriously, like the 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 powers that be need they need tarot coaching. 
they need tarot coaching. They need a mushroom trip. They need. Yeah. Some- and it's not <laughs> just because of how they make our lives, but it's also because like, if they could really get honest about if they are actually happy and fulfilled. Yeah. Cause they're not I can't imagine that they, people yeah. who are happy and fulfilled would not govern in the way that they are governing. <laughs> That's right. all I have to say. Right. I totally agree. <laughs> and it's, That's one of the hardest parts I think about like living in the world right now is really having that felt understanding that like things could be so different. Yeah. And it it wouldn't even necessarily be like as hard Mm -hmm. as maybe it seems like Mm. it would be. Yeah. I almost hate thinking about that because then I just feel like angry and sad Mm -hmm. and like all existential dread yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah but there's hope (laughs) and you know I think that's the important part of having that perspective Mm -hmm. is that we can hold space for hope because we can see a different way yeah and that means that we won't give up you know as as long as as long as not everyone ends up resigned, because what happens is the second we resign ourselves to it, we go back to sleep. Like we're, we just yeah. need to cope with the day to day. And so we numb out again and yeah. we, you know, we watch, we watch all the shit TV and we, you know, drink ourselves into oblivion just to forget. And, you know, we just end up right back at square one and nothing ever changes. And there's, there's pain in holding space for hope sometimes Mm. and 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 there's pain in the liminal space of you know I'm not where I want to be or things aren't where I want them to be but I see how they could be it doesn't always feel good but it does keep us going yeah that that is true yeah it is definitely a huge motivator for my life (laughs) yeah well and I mean we're literally wired that way yeah, we're, we're wired to pursue pleasure and avoid pain. And yeah, I actually recorded a podcast about that, like a few last week or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what? I kind of want to amend that statement. And this is this has been coming up a lot for me recently is this distinction between pleasure and peace, D- distinction mm. between pleasure and peace, mm-hmm. because pleasure to me has started to kind of shift in what it means. And I still think it's an extremely important part of life as a human. And it's definitely one of our biggest motivators, but if we're driven mostly by pleasure, we're never going to get there because pleasure is a Mm. short-lived experience. It's a dopamine hit. You know, it's something that we need more of and we pursue pleasure to escape the suffering of not having pleasure. But when we feel peace, there's no pursuit necessary. So I think really, you know, what has been this dynamic of avoiding pain and pursuing pleasure, I think there's a lot of room for that third aspect, which is, you know, being at peace and mm-hmm. peace is possible when we're trying to avoid pain and when yeah. we're pursuing pleasure. So it's like, how do we do that? That's, that's been another thing coming up for me lately, taking us full circle to the first question that you asked me is <laughs> like, how do I, <laughs> how do I do both? <laughs> yeah. And I've been really leaning into that. Yeah. 
lately because pursuit is a part of the human experience, but we will also never arrive. So how do we find peace with the moment now, knowing that there will be pleasure and there will be pain and there has been pleasure and there has been pain and that cycle is not going to stop. Like, how can we mm-hmm. be at peace with that? And I mean, peace, peace is something that we, I think all want to see in this world right now, but we can't create it around us if we can't create it within us. Mm, yeah. And I think that that's a big way that we can all do our part right now is like, how can I, find some peace Mm -hmm. in a world that seems drained of it at the moment. To me, peace is pleasure. And And a lot of times they come hand in hand, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And also to me, like the way I see it is like, I've also been on this journey of like pleasure and reconnecting to my body in a different way and like sexual healing since last Mm -hmm. year, since September. And the way I see it is just like, there's pleasure in everything. That's how I see it. Like, yeah, there's pleasure. in when I'm crying because someone left me a mean comment on Instagram, there's pleasure in that there's pleasure in giving myself that space to just like ugly cry and like feel through what I'm feeling. Yeah. Like I, I feel like th- that for me is, is the piece is like finding pleasure in all of it. I love that perspective. <laughs> My Pisces rising is obsessed with that perspective. Like <laughs> I, I just think of like, it, like how many times in my life have I just been like crying my eyes out in the shower, but like part of me is secretly digging it. Cause I'm like listening to music and I feel like I'm in a music video, you know, like, and it's painful, but like there, there's that part of me that's like, oh, this is so yeah. deep, you know, like loves the experience. Yeah especially what it's like, it's what's true for you in the moment. And like, for me being self-expressed babe on the internet, like my whole thing is like just expressing whatever is true Mm -hmm. and making the path of others to also do that same thing, because that is, that's where we get liberated. That's where we can connect to our intuition. That's where we can connect with our choice. That's where we can connect with our curiosity of saying, this is what interests me. I want to do this thing. I want to sign up for this class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many beautiful things here. (laughs) So many. And that also just brought us back full circle when we were talking about, you know, the external and the highlight reel and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting, something that I've noticed because social media has been a huge struggle for me personally, Um, just like even wanting to be on the platform. That's, that's something that I walked really drastically away from during my void experience. And I don't feel like I've ever been able to fully come Mm. back. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have noticed that the more I've made space to be less of a highlight reel on there, the more fulfilling it's been. And I mean, I literally posted an Instagram live a few months ago when I was really in the thick of my health struggles that I've been going through this year. I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, crying on the internet. And I even said in the video, I was like, oh my God, I'm crying on the internet. But like that, more people reached out to me after that and felt, you Mm -hmm. know, so connected to that and touched by that. And I think that says a lot about how, you know, all of us are craving more humanity 
Yeah. Especially, you know, in pandemic, post pandemic, or, you know, if we can even say post pandemic, but you know, whatever <laughs> the, the situation that we're in, where we've been so disconnected from each other. Yeah. That, you know, the highlight reel just hits harder now. Yeah. And that's so true. I think it helps to share some of the, you know, less aesthetic shades of the human experience because people see that and they're like, oh my God, I'm not alone and you're not alone. And it, it creates community mm-hmm. instead of competition mm-hmm. and comparison. And so yeah. I, I think that's, I, I love that, you know, self being self-expressed is your whole vibe because I just think that is like such medicine for our internet dependent social media social distanced world mm-hmm. highlight reel can't help us where we're at <laughs> we need that real shit we need yeah, to we remember what it's like to be human and be with other humans and sometimes that means crying on the internet yeah that's so true I want to move into some questions that I like to ask towards the end. Yeah, let's do it. And then we'll play with how people can find you online. Yes. Find out more about your work. Absolutely. Okay. So the first question is, what does self-love mean to you? Ooh. Okay. I'll try not to go on too much of a tangent here, (laughs) but for me, self-love is an action, not a feeling. And it comes with feelings and it cultivates feelings. But for me, self-love is how you show up for yourself. And it's the opposite of self-betrayal, which is something that I think we're all conditioned to do <laughs> from day one. Because we're taught to trust everyone else and not ourselves. It goes, it goes all hand in hand with intuition. But to me, you know, self-love is knowing ourselves, holding space for ourselves, asking ourselves. And I I'm saying that, you know, vaguely not asking ourselves something specific, but asking ourselves period, like being our own source and showing up in an active and grounded way in a way that honors ourselves. And it's, it's really like, to me, self-love is a very embodied, active, grounded thing. And it creates, you know, those pleasurable feelings and that kind of, you know, warm, fuzzy, I love myself vibe. But I know for me, that was not accessible to me for a very, very long time. And it was only through action yeah, that that feeling developed. So I so resonate with that because the things that like we know will make us feel better. It's so easy to not do it because we don't quote feel like it or we don't have time. Mm -hmm. But when we get past the like discomfort of like, I'm going to set my alarm for like 30 minutes earlier so I can take some deep breaths in the morning. Like it doesn't feel great, but Mm -hmm. doing the action. Yeah. That's totally self-love. That makes me think of like a toddler does not want to brush their teeth, but right. the mom is going to be like, you have to brush your teeth and they'll probably do it while they're crying. Mm-hmm. But when we're grown ups, like we don't have that mother to tell us to do the things we don't feel like doing that are good for us. So we have mm-hmm. to be that 
for ourselves. Yeah. So I love exactly. That <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I say a lot on my podcast and to, just to my people is self-love isn't all bubble baths and face masks. Yes. Cause I feel like, Thank you know, you. the, the aesthetic <laughs> version of self-love is like spa day and that mm. has a place. Absolutely. Yeah. Like your girl loves a bubble bath and a face mask. Absolutely. But a lot of times self-love for me looks like folding the three days worth of laundry that mm. I have sitting on my couch, you know, mm-hmm. like even if I don't want to, but yeah. doing that because I know that future me is going to be so relieved when yeah. that's done. And it, I mean, sometimes self-love is re- like really, really hard decisions. Yeah. Like I have multiple people very, very close to me who have just had to make the decision to leave very close, very long-term intimate relationships. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard decision. Like choices like that, they're hard. They come with pain yeah, and a, a lot of change, a lot of fear, but that's what loving themselves looks like right now because mm. they knew that to choose themselves and honor themselves, they have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because the way that I, I feel like self-love is portrayed a lot of the time is very, you know, vibey, very aesthetic, very, you know, and literally aesthetic, not just like how it looks nice on Instagram, yeah. but like, it's about how you look Yeah. or, you know, it's about improving your looks or, you know, the, and the, the sensual aspect. And by sensual, I mean, literally the five senses, like nurturing the body, like I said, has a huge part in it, but that can't be all. Yeah, that, exactly. that, that is not all encompassing of self-love. Yeah. Like if, if you want to love yourself, just like with intuition, like you got to be ready to face some truths and take some actions and, and sometimes self-love feels a lot like pulling teeth, mm-hmm. but you're always better for it and you always yeah. feel better for it. And yeah. it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it is so powerful, true self-love. Next, I have a phrase for you to finish. Okay. (laughs) The way to my heart is. Oh God. How do I choose the first thing that comes to mind? (laughs) Lord of the Rings extended editions, all three in one (laughs) sitting or tarot decks. Love it. And then when do you feel the most alive? Hmm. Interestingly, it's when I'm connecting with others. Hmm. And I think specifically either connecting in a really deep way, you know, like you and I right now having a really deep, honest conversation like that, that kind of a deep soul to soul type connection. And also laughing, like laughter and lightheartedness and, you know, just, yeah, laughing, laughing with other people, like that, that deep soul connection and laughter are when I feel most alive. And I said, interestingly, cause I'm, I'm an introvert. <laughs> mm, I, yeah. I, you know, if left to my own devices, I would probably be alone way too much. Yeah. But same. 
I, and I, I know this about myself now, so I know that I take time to recharge and all of that, mm-hmm. but I always feel so much more alive during and after those moments where I have, you know, connected on a soul level with someone and, or laughed until I cried with someone. Yeah. Like those moments in life to me are just that those are the ones that I keep with me. Mm-hmm. I so resonate with the piece of like being introverted, but also like feeling so nourished by socializing for me mm-hmm. though. It's like, it's not just socializing with just anyone. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm very said, selective. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have to be as an introvert and like as, yeah. as an empath, which is, you know, something that I mm-hmm. relate with and I feel like you probably do to an extent also. And yeah, I think anyone who goes through an awakening experience, you just, you mm-hmm. choose the people you spend your time around differently after that. Yeah. But for me, it's like, I, I, I know my soul just ignites with those kind of, you know, connections, the, the, the laughter and the deep soul stuff, both. Yeah. And sometimes I have to push myself to, to go there. Cause sometimes I'm like, no, I want to stay here on the couch and under my blanket, so reading relate. my book. Like, <laughs> so like, I just want to snuggle my dogs. I don't want to go talk to people. But then, you know, afterwards I'm like, oh my God, I feel so good. You know, I feel so yeah. regenerated. So it's, it's definitely an interesting dichotomy as an introvert, Mm -hmm. but that is definitely when I feel the most alive, especially if it's in nature, Oh, like sitting in my language. (laughs) I I have a a really good friend who owns a hot spring, which is so dope. Um, and like, she has like a natural stone pool where this hot spring feeds into, you can't go in the actual hot spring cause you will die, but it, <laughs> it, it feeds the hot water into this natural stone pool and it's in the high desert. And we go there sometimes and, you know, it's a great place to watch meteor showers cause it's completely in the middle of nowhere. There's no, you know, wow. light pollution. And I just, I think of so many of the moments that I really feel alive, both in terms of sharing laughter and having deep soul conversations I've been in that hot tub, you know, under, (laughs) under the starry sky and you just, you know, feel so connected to the cosmos and, and each other. And that all feeds Mm. into each other. And like you, you feel the warm water from the heart of the earth and the, the cold air surrounding you. Mm. And it's like all of the facades that we wear as people just melt in that context under those stars and in that water. And you, you know, you just, you laugh from somewhere deep in your belly and connect from somewhere deep in your soul. And it's just, oh, there's nothing, nothing like it. Nature plus those types of connections that to me is creme de la creme of being a human. That was delicious. I like closed my <laughs> eyes as you were talking and I was just like, yeah, I'm here in the hot tub. I could like feel it in my belly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so good. What is your favorite part about being a woman? Ooh. <laughs> 
I saved the juiciest one for last. Yeah. <laughs> I think this answer probably changes a lot. Um depending on when you would ask me. But right now, I think I would say reclaiming so much of what has been used against me Mm. as a woman and kind of reclaiming aspects that have been demonized or made to seem dirty or Mm. bad, like really leaning into like menstrual cycles for example and like the power of the period and things like that I've just loved that whole journey of like learning my body's natural energy cycles and how to harness the creative cycles of energy that my body goes through in conjunction with those cycles and you know Mm. things like I was taught that my period was an inconvenience. It was embarrassing. It was shameful. It was something that I was supposed to hide and preferably get rid of by taking a pill or, you know, implanting something within me. And I've done both of those things. And so taking that back has just been so liberating. And I've loved that. And I think healing the witch wound is another one. And that kind of came hand in hand with coming out of the the broom closet, like the, the tarot closet, you know, like sharing with the world that I use tarot cards, even though I don't use them in, in the traditional way that some people might call witchy, but like really like I I've had that term used against me when people learn that I use it. And I'm like, thank mm. you, please, please yeah. call me that again. You know, I'll, I'll embrace that term yeah. if that's what you want to call me, because I, I, you know, I've done a lot of deep historical digging as part of my own reclamation journey on you know what where did what is the witch thing about like i if i'm if i'm delving in the world of tarot and talking with people who are in this world i want to be educated on you know what is what does it mean and witches were healers yeah we're an r and and powerful women intuitive women medicine women Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know if you want to call me a witch i will say thank you um and Same. <laughs> there's, yeah. And there's, there's like some rage in there too. Like mm. I, and I, I don't, this, this is a whole other can of worms, but it almost feels ancient. Like, yeah, it, it is. doesn't come from me. Like it comes from people before me or past versions mm. of me. I don't know, yeah. but like really almost not spitefully, but very assertively slash aggressively owning Mm. that kind of mysticism and mystery that comes with being a woman. So yeah, I, that's probably my favorite part is really reclaiming the parts that I feel like have been demonized or stolen or dirtied by yeah. society and embracing them to the fullest just feels so good. I don't know if that was the kind of answer you were looking for, I, but <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. I resonate with it. I actually wrote down witch wound in my notes because mm-hmm. that's what was coming up for me when you were talking about like how your hand was shaking and like how your community yeah. was, was like, had these 
notions of like what tarot and spirituality things are. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It is very beautiful that like, here we are, we get to have this conversation on the internet and we get to put our creations out there in the world that our grandmothers and great grandmothers and all the women in our lineage didn't have this power to do it. Even my grandmother, like it's, it's wild when you dive into just like recent history of like women not being able to have their own credit cards or buy a house. Like it's, it's, (laughs) it's wild that that was real. And that was like, not, not that long ago. Like people are alive today who couldn't vote. (laughs) Right. It's, it's yeah, it's crazy. And I think digging into my ancestry has been another part of this reclamation piece for me too. recent ancestry, but even, you know, slightly more distant, Mm. like on, on my mom's side, the women in my family were practicing Druids that had to flee Ireland to get away from Catholic persecution and, and being murdered for their practices. And on my dad's side, my grandmothers were indigenous and, you know, practicing medicine women and in a tribal situation. And, you know, for um, among many other travesties, they just, Mm -hmm. they had their identities stripped away. Like legally speaking, you know, they were first given papers and then had those papers destroyed and their practices and homeland along with it. And it's like, I feel like that's the source of a lot of the rage too. Like when I said it feels ancient, like it, it, it almost feels like it comes from them. And yeah, um, yeah, it's so I, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm I'm reclaiming it for me, but it's it doesn't just feel like me. I feel like I'm I'm reowning this for them. That reminds me of something you brought up when we recorded on your podcast. You were talking about quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you heal, not only are you healing like whoever follows your path or does your work or comes behind you in your leadership, but you're also mm-hmm. healing backwards, right? And healing your lineage as well. Yeah. Didn't we talk about like the egg? Yeah, we like did. The, the egg and the ovaries the three, and how we're born the, with all of our mm-hmm. eggs. And mm-hmm. like, so in theory, you know, we could trace that back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That exactly. concept is so mind blowing. It is so mind blowing. And it makes so much sense. It does for sure. And it's, but, and there's something just, you can just feel it. Like, again, I, I, I know I repeated this twice, but like, it just, it feels ancient. Yeah. And a lot of the things that have kind of come forth for me since my awakening and all of that, and especially when it comes to reclaiming like my, my femininity and my essence as a woman, which I lived in the masculine until my awakening. (laughs) And then yeah. I was like, what is it? I, what, what is being a woman? You know, that's when I started mm-hmm. to kind of explore all that again, but it really like a lot of that drive and a lot of the, the, the rage and the, the power, it doesn't feel like it's coming from me. Like I'm not doing mm. it on purpose. Yeah. I'm not consciously creating that necessarily. It's more like I am unearthing it. Like I'm, I'm removing the layers and I'm finding something that was already there, which is very intuitive. I mean, that's what, that's what intuition is. It's just discerning what's already there. Um, but that's, 
it's all been so, so hand in hand, like the intuition and the self-love and the reclaiming my, my feminine energy. It's all connected and it's truly magical Mm -hmm. in all of its flavors, including the hard ones. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Me either. (laughs) So where can people listening find you online and find out more about your work? Yes. So I am, I'll say sporadically on Instagram at alchemy and archetype. Um, I, I definitely go through seasons. Sometimes I'm posting a lot. Sometimes I am, you know, in, in the background doing deep work with myself and my, my clients and students, but that is a really great place to get in touch with me and every, you know, all the content I've created. It's, it's there. Uh, and, and more is always coming. It's just, I'm, I'm not an Instagram every day kind of gal. I I'll be straight up about that. (laughs) Um, but I also have my own podcast, which you have been on, uh, which is the Modern Mystics Guide to the Universe. And I love her. She's <laughs> such a fun place to be, such an amazing corner of the internet where I've, you know, just been able to speak to so many amazing people and connected with so many amazing people like you. And um, I always love growing the family over there. And that's that's where you can find me. That's really where I do most of my thing. <laughs> and then we're also going to pop a little gift from you in the show notes. Can you talk to us about what that is? Yes. So that is my how to read tarot intuitively workshop. And in that workshop, I teach my evidence-based methodology, tried and true. doesn't matter if you're a seasoned tarot pro or a complete newbie. It is a process that will help you use your intuition to work with the tarot and use tarot to work with your intuition. So it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to share. And it's, it's the same method that I teach my high level students in my certification program. And, you know, my students in my self-paced tarot coaching course, it's the exact same method. And in my opinion, like the juiciest and definitely one of the best parts of everything that I put out there, which is why I like to share it for free. Because once you go through this workshop, you can literally use the tarot as a tool to strengthen your intuition starting right now. It doesn't matter how much or how little experience you have, and it can absolutely change your life. So I know I'm biased, but I highly recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great. (laughs) I love it. So all of the links to find you are in the show notes below. Yes. Thank you so much. I want to keep talking to you, honestly. <laughs> I know. Well, you're going to be back on my show next week. Yeah. So yeah, you know, soon. I'm so excited. <laughs> soon. And I, I love this conversation. I'm so grateful for your invitation to bring me into this space. And this is definitely one of those moments that has made me feel so alive. So oh, I'm, I'm very grateful Same. for you, <laughs> grateful for your community here on your show. And this has really been a soul delight. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs>
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. I know that there's an abundance of content online, so I really appreciate you giving me your ears today. If this episode shifted something for you, please share this with a friend and slash or write us a podcast review if you're listening to this on iTunes so that more people can find this. If anything shifted for you from this episode that you want to have a conversation about, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a DM over on Instagram at selfexpressedbabe, and that is in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.